Welcome to Pet Sitter Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Perennials. What does it mean to reimagine your business? How do we go through the process of transforming our business and the services that we offer to something completely different? It's a question we need to ask as we consider how we can continue to meet the needs of not only our clients, but run a business that meets our personal goals as well. Michelle Klein, owner of Venture Dog Walking, joins the show today to describe how she turned her pet sitting business into a dog walking business. She shares why having the right mindset is so critical for these kinds of transformations and why communicating to clients and staff makes the process a lot smoother. Let's get started. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, So I am Michelle. I... um, So a little bit about my history related to the pet care industry. I started a full-service pet care business in 2017. I'm in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and um, started it for the reason that so many of us do. I love dogs. Saw an opportunity um, in my local market and, you know, was looking for flexible part-time work that I enjoyed. And, you know, fast forward, I realized I love entrepreneurship. I love business ownership. I love um, creating employment opportunities, you know, the whole kit and caboodle. um, This was for me. So decided to do my business full time once I, um, I was in graduate school when I launched it. So once I got out of graduate school, decided to go full time, um, my husband actually quit his job to help me grow the business, which was, you know, very fun. Um, and the first two years, you know, we started with contractors, moved to employees, full service pet care, um, everything from the midday potty let out breaks to the overnight sleepover services. Um, and I hit a ceiling or at least a perceived ceiling where I was really struggling to grow and scale the business in the full service pet care model. Um, I was at about nine employees, about $200,000 in revenue. And at that point, I had been considering for quite a while going to daily dog walking only. Um, and, you know, that terminology is kind of a side note, but it, I feel like that always sounds a little bit restrictive, like daily dog walking only, as in I'm limiting rather than like I saw an opportunity to have a really amazing dog exercise, exercise adventure company. Um, so I decided to pivot to that direction, um, with my company venture dog walking and it's been three years now. Um, sorry, COVID time gets a little funky for me. (laughs) You know, we live in a time warp, um, but two and a half, three years in this new model. Um, I have 25 employees with a GM running the business now. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. I know we'll get into some specifics mm-hmm. here in a minute, but I did want to touch back on just real quick. And in 2017, you know, you said you wanted to go into something that was, was flexible, but mm-hmm. why, why did you choose pet care? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So, um, I mean, first and foremost, like the pay to play, I love dogs, like <laughs> obsessively. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I just find them delightful to be around. I really, haven't met a dog I haven't liked, um, even if it didn't like me. Um, but I was getting my master's degree in social work and I just felt that, you know, social work is a really heavy industry, um, or at least the line of it that I was working in was, and just felt that I wanted work that really complemented that and added, um, a lightness to all of the gravity that I was kind of sitting in, in a day-to-day way. Um, and then it's funny, you know, I realized as I was making the transition, I actually use a lot of the social work. Um, it just applies itself differently, but, you know, as being a business owner started to shape new meaning for me, I started realizing like, wow, there are all of these pieces of, you know, well-being and helping create financial stability for my employees and all of these things that, Um, it just felt like I was getting the chance to apply and practice everything I was learning in a really meaningful way. Mm. Um, 
So it started as like looking for balance and then it actually became pretty integrated, which was really interesting. <laughs> well, you started having been connected to a, a much bigger purpose at that point. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how we yeah. find purpose in the things that we do and how that purpose actually grows and expands as we impact more and more people's lives. You mentioned how to perceived ceiling that you were having trouble cracking with the mm-hmm. with the vacation client model. Mm-hmm. Why, why mm-hmm. do you think you were having some, some issues there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so like most, most things, it's a multifaceted answer of both. There were certainly things in the way in which I had built the business that I don't want to minimize. Like, you know, I had not successfully adapted to a team-based model. So I had clients expecting to work with the same walker for, you know, a three-week long vacation. Um, you know, and maybe you can pull that off one or two times, but eventually people are like, hey, I'm burnt out. Like <laughs> I can't go three weeks without a day off. And I'm like, you know, that that's reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> um, so part of it was limitations I had set on the model. However, I started doing um a lot of client discovery around this time as well. And I realized that through, you know, at this point we had probably three or 400 clients. Um, and it, so, and, you know, they had a lot of engagement. They were willing to give us a lot of feedback. And I realized that um, a lot of that. So I did, I did an analysis on my time and on the revenue in the business. And I realized that with where we had worked ourselves to 70% of our income was coming from daily dog walking clients. Um, But 70% of my time was going to managing the vacation sits. Mm. Um, There was just so much more information, the medications and the home care and, um, you know, just all the stuff that comes up when you are basically living in someone's home and taking care of their, of their most precious things. Like, Mm Um, and I realized that I had an opportunity to really niche into what we did best. Um, and at the end of the day, like that's what it was, the daily dog walking. So I think some of the ceiling was from me. I also think some of it, you know, at the end of the day, if you're offering a sleepover service, that's one body to one bed. Um, and that's not a commentary in any way for people who like that is what they do and that makes sense for their business and their service. For me, it didn't um, because I didn't want to feel personally as a business owner, like I was on call for not being able to live in my own home. Um, you know, if an employee was out or sick, that I was the one, you know, kind of on the line for that. Um, so I think it was twofold, some scalability issues with my own mindset at the time, in addition to there are some unique challenges in, you know, a full service vacation pet sitting model um, that I found most business owners are grappling with right now, how to grow with that model. Cause it's hard. It, it is. And I know maybe you know, if you say, okay, it's taking up 70% of my time. A lot of people may respond with, okay, well that may then I may need to just charge more for that service, right? That's yep. maybe one yeah. way I could, I could overcome this. But on the other mm-hmm. hand, you also have, as you're touching on this, this mental burden, this fatigue, this overwhelming, all consuming part of your life mm-hmm. that these that that service that you're committing to when you do mm-hmm. the vacation services. I know we still offer vacations, quite a bit of vacation services. And mm-hmm. that is something where, yeah, you sit down and you have to go. Like I literally just wrote up a brand new policy for today for medication tracking and handling and communication mm-hmm. around those things. And mm-hmm. you have so much more the to to account for and to try and control and, and keep in your mind and keep aware of Versus another model doesn't quite have all that mental burden, though it does still have its burdens. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And like, maybe to draw a principle I took from that, like at the end of the day, it's your business. So it should be what you want to provide, the things you want to do. But I found that before I made this shift, I wasn't really willing to say no to any client or what they wanted. Um, And in that, it was really difficult to kind of craft my business to be successful because I hadn't really brought it under the like umbrella of my own control. Um, 
And I think that's a principle that can be adapted for however, like an individual owner chooses to niche into their market and to grow and expand their business. Yeah, making it what you want and what you're willing to mm-hmm. take on, but re- recognizing that, okay, if I'm feeling some certain pain points, I-, I actually need to quite possibly do a whole change here with my entire business. And so I I know you also did, went through a, a rebrand of your business. Did you do that mm-hmm. in conjunction with this switch to Daily Walks? Great question. Um, so... I knew that both of these things were the path we were headed down. Mm. So it was a little bit of a chicken and an egg and I did go back and forth, but ultimately I decided, so we navigated this transition as COVID hit, um, which is a whole, you know, a whole other thing. (laughs) Um, But I decided to really leverage the operations first And that's really been a theme for me in the last year is really focusing on the operational development of the business before focusing on the growth. Mm. Um, So the rebrand followed the operational decision. Um, We were called Ardmore Dog Walking and Pet Services and then made the transition and about four months later took on um, a rebrand as well. Why do you think you tend to focus on the operations part first? Is that mm-hmm. something that just really like feeds your brain or is that something that you have a lot of concern about or or why do you focus on that, you think? Yeah. Um, so actually quite the opposite. I love growth. I love everything about, you know, where we're positioned in the community and like, you know, the way we're engaging with the broader circle and how many clients we're bringing in. And that's really exciting to me. Um, so when I first started growing my business, Um, I found out very quickly in this industry because we are doing in-home services. I don't offer any type of like group pack work that there's this one-to-one, um, you know, one employee to one dog at one point in time. And with the reality of that, I just found that it was so easy for our growth to outpace where we were operationally. Mm -hmm. That in trying to keep those from outpacing each other, um, in part because my natural tendencies are more so to growth, I needed to focus more on operations, but also in part because um, like, it doesn't matter how many clients I bring in, if I can't commit to a really consistent experience and that I'm going to have the staff to service the client need. And in that way, it felt like operations has happened it has had to come first for success. I know I gave a a, a talk once and afterwards a gentleman came up to me and goes, Oh, I never would have expected there to be such operational concerns in your kind of business. And I was like, I've never really thought about it that way, but yes. And if <laughs> if, you, if you've never looked at the job description of an operation manager, go look at yeah. that, and you'll go, "Oh, that's all I do all day." I, I we, we we this is such an operation heavy business and industry to be in of, yeah. of the planning of the routes of the staffing of the hiring of the client bringing in that if we don't have those nailed down, we won't be able to see that growth. And I think that's really interesting to hear and going, well, how do we then now look at making the operations as best as we can and really getting those lined out so that we can experience that growth on top of it? I know we've really had some concerns when when we expanded into our other service area of going, we never wanted to say anybody no because we couldn't Mm -hmm. physically serve them. Right. And so, and that's, so that's, that's a different approach uh, and making sure you have the operations there, the scale, the staff to meet the demand when it comes. And you know mm-hmm. how to manage all of that. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe to give an example. So we just did a flash sale at the end of the year. You know, like we called it a client love bomb, but we always pre-sell packages if they want to buy them. And we did a really fantastic deal for the client. Um, and, you know, kind of the trade-off there was like, we got to end the year with a really strong cash, cash position to go into quarter one to like invest a lot of marketing at the beginning of the year, which is a lever I wanted to toggle. But, you know, we sold over $20,000 of packages in one day. If that had happened two years ago, I could not guarantee you I'd be able to fulfill those services. But now I'm like, I, I know for sure we can do that. 
Yeah, I, I, if you ever if you want to get a good picture of this, if go ahead and if you're listening to this, go into your software, go to your Excel spreadsheet. Look how many total clients you have right now. How many total clients you've served over the last six months, and then go. If ten percent of those contacted me for service tomorrow, could I could I serve them? And you'll really start to feel and appreciate exactly that kind of scale that you can get very quickly, and why that burnout is so real. Yeah, absolutely. And when I started seeing marketing as a lever to to leverage against the operations and against demand, that's when it started to make sense to me, all the operational work that we had done. But we really had to say, okay, can can we have the self-discipline to not focus on growth just for the sake of growth in order to get ourselves, like to do the boring stuff that we have to do, like figure out our hiring process, figure out our disciplinary process. How do we quality control every appointment? Like... You know, that's and that's just the work that had to be done for all the cool stuff that's coming now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you mentioned the word demand there. And I think that's where I know many people get hung up of going, well, is there a demand for this? How do I test the market, my market, to know if there is a demand Mm -hmm. for this kind of service to make it worth my time and my staff's time? So Mm -hmm. you were already at 70% of your revenue income coming from dog walks. Was that proof Mm -hmm. enough for you to go, okay, I can go full-time in this? Or what was that process like looking at 70% and going, I'm going 100% in this business here soon? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I had worked to get a strong daily client base, um, even before it occurred to me to not offer pet sitting, um, because I found it to be operationally less complex. Um, You know, you're dealing with a shorter window of time, that you're dealing with a less complicated service model. So I had already naturally started drifting towards, this makes sense to have a higher volume here. Um, And, you know, the pet sitting, maybe that can just be like kind of a a bump, an additional piece of revenue. But when I did the analysis, um, and this might be helpful to the audience, there's a book called The 80-20 Principle, which is where I got a lot of this idea of, you know, well, what if I freed up 70% of my time to focus on the thing that's actually making us the most money? Yeah. So in a way, it was taking a bet on myself and like what I was seeing in the numbers. But over time, I've become so much more comfortable trusting those numbers of they're, you know, they're not influenced by like how I feel or like, you know, my (laughs) perception. (laughs) Um, They just are what they are. And I entrust them. And when I started seeing that and thinking through this 80-20 principle, it just became, it became, it didn't become, should I do this? It became, it would be foolish not to do this. Yeah, because you can start to go, well, if I have 10% more of my time back, how much could I grow this? What could I invest? What could I be doing to get that, you know, where's the biggest bang for my buck there? Uh, but yeah. I know, you know, earlier on, you were talking about how saying no and setting boundaries was hard for you. I am curious to know, when you made this transition, mm-hmm. other, other, other than vacation clients, what other things did you start having to say no to, to make this new model work for you? Yeah. So when we shifted to this model, it was like we made a very clear stance. This is who we are. And that in and of itself, I think is very vulnerable for a business to do. Um, Because there are all these things that like you could do, or I don't know if um, you're familiar with the term mission creep. I came from like social work nonprofit world, but it's like, well, that seems interesting. And I could do that. And like, there's no reason I shouldn't do that, you know, and it, But it's very different when you apply this lens of this is who I am and this is what I do. Um, And so when we got to that place, everything that didn't fit that framework was a no. Mm. Um, And that's still the lens that we have. Like if you do not fit who we are, we are doing a disservice to work with you because we're not the best at that. I'm really clear about what we do well. And I'm really really committed to the idea that if we do not do it well, we don't do it. Right. Which is, which helps you have that laser focus, right? Now you Mm -hmm. do have the time, the opportunity to look at those things. But I I am curious to know about just like from the financial aspect, because if you were doing $200,000, you were leaving Mm -hmm. $60,000 behind to make this big Mm -hmm. step. Walk Mm -hmm. us through what it was like processing that kind of transition. Yeah. um, I mean, scary, (laughs) you know, it, 
this was our full time, my husband and I's like full time income. Um, we both worked in the business when I made this transition. Mm. Um, and I had gotten to the place where, um, and this is a mentality that, you know, I know everybody struggles with, I still struggle with, but I don't want to make decisions out of fear. I want to make decisions on what I genuinely believe is the best path forward. And, you know, maybe it won't work out or maybe I'm going to have to pivot or it will be hard. But once I had that mental shift, um, it became clear that not making this change, you know, turning down what I really believed was best for the business for the sake of that 60000 when I had already proven to myself I could build something that made 200000 It just didn't make sense. Yeah, you'd start looking at, at at ratios there, and again, going mm-hmm. okay. Well, that's sixty thousand dollars. Sure, that's that. I'm going to miss that. That's not an insignificant insignificant amount right. of money, right? It's just very real. Like that's out right. of my pocket. That's out of my staff's pocket. But what that does is it frees you up for a bit better uh, opportunity, better scalability, mm-hmm. better streamlined, better less mental burden, and really weighing the, yeah. the cost and, and, and benefits of these mm-hmm. decisions. I know many people make this decision when they decide to go full-time into the industry. Most mm-hmm. of us made that decision at one point in time. We've already kind of worked through the mental uh, gymnastics it takes to go, well, where am I at right now? What mm-hmm. would happen if I devoted 100% to this? Where will that get me? And this is just doing that kind of midstream. But again, it's hard because it's our business, right? And kind of, mm-hmm. did you ever feel like you were admitting that you made a, a mistake and that you were wrong? to do it the other way? Or was this just a truly a brand new opportunity that was before you? Yeah. Um, I never felt like I had made a mistake with the initial model. I mean, of course I know so much more now. Like I look oh, back sure. and I'm like, man, I would have done that so differently. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, it really was, you know, I, so maybe speaking generally about entrepreneurship and then I'll tie this into myself. I think so many people don't start things because they're like, I just, I don't feel like I know enough yet or I'm where I should be to execute like the perfect thing. And I have found you just got to get in there and you have to start waiting in to get enough information to even make an informed decision. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of how I approached it. Um, like it, it took courage saying to our clients, like, hey, we're, we're not, this isn't who we are anymore. And we're going this direction. And I really hope you'll stay with us for that journey. But, um, you know, at the time, I was afraid that was the mistake. You know, like, man, I don't know. Like, I started fear setting. And I was like, what's the worst that can happen? I have to go back to our clients and be like, hey. I called this wrong. We now pets it again. Like that's not the worst thing in the world, even though it mm. felt so scary. Well, because you you have the own, you have your own personal perceptions of who what you're doing, and now you're now externalizing and going, oh, what are they going to think of me? Are they, are they going to think I'm a failure? Are they going to think? And really, at the end of the day, they would just go, okay, cool, great, great. I have a trip yeah. next weekend. Could you take? Like that's really what would happen. <laughs> but but we right, did, right realistically, yeah. <laughs> We build that up so much because again, we're in, we're in it. It's ours. We've, yeah. we've been building, we've been making, we've been creating and working to make it something because that's the vision that we believed in. And now yeah. we're taking that step back to go, you know what? That's actually not what I want anymore. And that step alone is really hard in this mm-hmm. Uh, to, mm-hmm. to be able to admit that kind to ourselves of like, no, that I'm going to let that vision go ahead and die right now because I have something better over here that I can move to. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Have you heard of Time to Pet? Doug from Bad to the Bone Pet Care has this to say. Time to Pet has made managing my team and clients so much easier. Our clients love the easy-to-use app and scheduling features, and our sitters love being able to have all of their information organized and easily accessible. My favorite feature is the instant messaging. By keeping conversations on Time to Pet, we are able to monitor our team and ensure nothing ever falls through the cracks. If you're looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com slash confessional. And you mentioned communicating to clients. So I, that mm-hmm. that's something that I'm actually very interested to know how mm-hmm. you started talking to them about it, walking them through that new transition as a business. Yeah. Um, so I started with 
you know, most of this started with me sitting down, looking at the metrics, looking at the numbers, like um, doing a bunch of client discovery on what is our client base? You know, if we adapted to this model, do I genuinely believe there's a market need for it? How am I validating that? Um, so I went through, you know, kind of a personal exercise there. Um, then I, <clears throat> I had already started referring out clients that were asking for pet sitting down the road. Mm. Um, so, you know, two, three, four months out, I think it's pretty common. People are booking that far out. And I had started just, Hey, I'm so sorry. I don't know at this point in time, if we can accommodate this reservation, I'm going to go ahead and refer you to another company because I don't want you to have to wait on me. Um, but I didn't start communicating with clients, of course, until I had gotten my team into alignment. Um, but I had already started setting up things so that when I was ready to bring the team in, um, you know, it wasn't a question. It wasn't like, maybe we'll do this. It got to be a very authentic moment of leadership of, I am doing this. And because I value you so much as an employee, I want to give you the option to make a decision for yourself. Um, if that's something you're going to follow me into, or if this is where we need to talk about your next step. Mm. Um, so that's how a lot of those conversations went. Um, and then once the team was in alignment, I started communicating with clients. And did you focus mostly on the clients that were already dog walking, letting them know that you were going full time, or did you start by communicating to the people who you would, who you knew were needing vacation care? Yeah, so we actually started with just mass communication across mm -hmm. both groups. Um, so I had written out a communication plan ahead of time of here's a series of emails I'm going to send. Here are some frequently asked questions, like a link on our page that I anticipated a lot of people would need more resources. We had done a bunch of work vetting other companies in the area to find good referral partners. And um, before we communicated with clients, the, the, these other companies actually knew um, because they knew to be prepared. Like they were about to get an influx. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, and then I just followed the plan. Like once I started getting, and there was kind of a core group of clients that I did reach out to one-on-one, -on -one, but it was after I had sent mass communication. I didn't want it to seem optional or negotiable. Um, I did have that, you know, authentic relational moment with them of either calling or messaging like, hey, I know we're a really important resource to your family and we have been for, you know, these are people who probably used us since we opened. Um, but I need to share with you, we're not going to be offering this anymore and wanted you to hear it directly from me. Walk me through your, your, your mindset when you are mm -hmm. sharing that with them, fears, mm -hmm. anxieties, terror, elation. Did you yeah. feel a burden come off when you were finally being able to go to, to, to share this with people? Or was it more of like, oh, one more gauntlet to get through? <laughs> um, I mean, it was a mix of relief, just in the sense that like, you know, when you're the business owner, you have to carry things closely sometimes. And it is relieving when you're able to bring other people into it. You know, we're humans are very communal beings. <laughs> um, so I, I felt a lot of relief, especially talking to my staff and getting them into alignment with clients. Um, I mean, it, it was, there was sadness depending, especially depending on the client, you know, there were some people that I had pet sat for them personally, since they had gotten a puppy, you know, yeah. like there certainly is an emotional journey there, but I had done the work ahead of time, one to be resolved in the decision, but two, I genuinely then and now believe that since we were going this direction, the worst thing I could do for a client was try and get them to adapt to who we were becoming. Um, and when the ethical decision was to have this conversation, that made it a lot easier. Um, because we, if we had softened it or, you know, like anything else other than like clear and kind communication, it would have been asking them to jeopardize the type of pet parent they wanted to be because they wanted the services we no longer offered. So I needed to find them somebody who did. And recognizing that they, they do have their own needs, right? They have their own expectations, mm -hmm. their desires. And to take that, um, 
that kind approach really does take into account where they're coming from. Okay, I'm I'm both A, talking to this person, but I'm also going to be talking to their emotions, their expectations. I'm talking to their interpretation, their hopes at that point of, yeah. of I'm, it, it, because that's where emotions can rise up when we miss what we're actually speaking to. Okay, maybe it was, mm-hmm. maybe it was, we're telling them I can no longer do vacation clients. And what they hear is, well, I, can no, I, I can't see grandma anymore, right? And we, <laughs> right. that's how people interpret that of, great, I can't yeah. do these things I want. You're ruining my life. So that's where a little bit of that gentleness does need to come in. And, and if mm-hmm. you're listening to this, you, you know a handful mm-hmm. of clients that you would need to walk through people with this on. Did, so did you have major pushback or anything from the clients when you reached out to them about this? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> no, I mean, of course, some people expressed they were sad. Um, yeah. It, you know, there were other people. I think what did soften the blow is I, um, so I redid our non-compete with my staff when we made this transition that, and to the day or to the day, we still operate this way. My staff are welcome to pet sit for clients outside of our business hours. Hmm. Um, it's handled outside of time to pet. It's communicated outside of time to pet. Um, but, you know, and some of them chose to, some of them chose not to. But I think that helped that clients on the pet sitting side were really attached to multiple of my staff members. And I was like, hey, they're still here. Like, they probably would love to hear from you. You, you mentioned that you first brought this to your, to your staff. Uh, what mm-hmm. was the, what was their reception of this? <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. Most of them were like, I don't have to do late nights anymore. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And they were like, thank God. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I actually had someone who like very openly was like, really? Oh, I don't have to look for a new job now. Cause that has been on my horizon. Oh. Um, <laughs> And I think, so maybe peeling back kind of the underlying layer, uh, another motivation for me in this was I read a statistic that industry-wise, we have one of the highest rates of burnout. Um, I think on average, a pet sitter is in the industry for about 18 months. Um, I wish I could cite that for you because now that it's out of my mouth, I don't know where I read that because that was (laughs) a statistic a while ago. However, um, burnout in this industry is real. And... I realized in having conversations with people and the amount of relief that I was sensing from them, um, it just was really affirming of like, okay. And I had a couple staff members that were like really hustling on the pet sitting side, like really liked it, wanted all the pet sitting jobs. And those conversations were a little different, but even then I tried to frame it as, um, that is still a pathway for you. I'm just not going to be the one opening the door or making those connections. But like you can pet sit all you want. Like you can start a competing pet sitting specific business. Yeah. You just can't do the middays. Like, you know, we have to talk about what that would look like. But yeah, letting them know that those opportunities are there because yeah, you could again, we talk about business models through this. Sure. You could have staffed up four different time slots and only had certain pet sitting people who worked for three hours a day, morning, mid, early afternoon, mm-hmm. late afternoon, midday, late night. Uh, but that, again, it was, that's not what you wanted to do. You were looking for something that right. was much more streamlined, much more focused, much more operationally mm-hmm. excellent in everything that you were doing. So you could have that standardization and you could bring yeah. the, the staff along with that. So did they experience you know, loss of hours or anything like that through that process? So this is a little bit of where the timing was funky just because of COVID. Um, So since we did this during COVID, everything had been renegotiated as far as hours and, you know, safety, you know, everything was, we were evaluating. Um, So, you know, in, (laughs) I hate to say it as like, we got lucky because COVID was obviously horrible for every business owner and everybody, but um, it did present certain opportunities that I think a business kind of post COVID would have to think through in a slightly different lens than I had to. Okay. Um, But, you know, especially for the two staff I had that were closer to full time because they were doing so much pet sitting. um, That was a conversation of this is going to look different. just in the amount of hours I can give you. 
Um, but I see my role as a business owner to portray reality as clearly and kindly as I can. Um, so I wanted to give them clear cut options to let them make their own decisions. Because without that clarity, that's where misconceptions, that's where misunderstandings bubble in. And that's, as you said, as a business owner, that's, that's where we, that's where we're responsible is setting those, whether mm-hmm. that's with our clients, whether it's with our mm-hmm. staff, if we have staff just going, this is who we are now. This is what that means. And not being afraid mm-hmm. to get into some of that detail with them because they need yep. to hear that. They, they need to know exactly the implications this now has for them and their life and their pet. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it sounds like you were able to do a lot of this because of the confidence that you had in in your numbers and in your market. And you've actually said uh, a, a term a couple times here that I do want to touch on here is you've talked about client discovery. Um, mm-hmm. Walk us through what client discovery is, kind of what you were looking for and, and how that helped mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Um So for us, client discovery has taken several different forms over the years in which we've tried to practice it. Um, But the idea being our clients, um, there are certain patterns and themes that if you get enough information and listen carefully enough, can really, they can give you a really clear heading as a business owner to follow. Um, and uh, so for example, when I'm talking to people about their business and they're like, you know, I'm really struggling to get more daily clients. The first thing I always say is, well, the dailies who use you now, where do they work? Where do they hang out? Like, what's their age? How many dogs do they have? Like, um, and that's an example of client discovery is letting your client base inform what you do next. Yeah. And just looking at who am I currently serving? Because that's, we mm-hmm. ask that question a lot of like, well, who is my client? Right. Basically, that's getting asked. Like, who, who am I serving? And we, you'll, you'll look at your entire client list and there'll be little, like you, I love that word themes, right? There's different mm-hmm. themes. There'll be small groupings of here and there, there. And then you as the business owner get to decide, I want that group. That's the theme I want to follow. That's the through line that really hits everything that we as a business are trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one thing I found when, um, and I think you'll just like let yourself be surprised. So one thing I found was, you know, I had certain misconceptions of just, oh, well, I have these conversations. So surely like that's the majority of my business. But I started really digging into the numbers and I was like, you know, most of our clients are single women between the ages of 25 and 44 with one dog. And most of those clients board on the weekends when they get the chance because they don't want their dog home alone only getting three pet visits a day. And when I saw that, I was like, whoa, our main client base doesn't even use us for pet travel. I just have this like kind of <laughs> circle of people that like I hear from very infrequently. It just was really eye-opening. My day- So actually, I had forgotten about this till we started talking. One reason I felt so confident in this just transition is I realized that there was very little crossover between my dailies and my vacation sits. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gave me a lot of confidence that, okay, I can confidently say I am not going to lose that 70% of revenue because people are like, oh, they don't offer everything now. Yeah. That, that, that's really key there is knowing that you are already actually serving segments of the market. And, and Mm -hmm. I know we experienced that, that too, Michelle, of the clients who, if they could board on the weekends, they're going to board on the weekends. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we're the second, we're the third option. So going this Mm -hmm. route, it's like, I'm not actually technically losing you because I barely have you as a a client already. Yeah. (laughs) And that's where the client discovery comes in. I think of like, man, who is really jiving with us? Like, And those are the people who, for us, as we were doing discovery, it was the people who couldn't get a puppy if they didn't have a pet sitting service during the day because they have to work and they have to have a dog. Or it was the people whose dogs are driving them absolutely nuts (laughs) when they get home from work because they are just so energetic. Like Those are the people that were like, you are our lifeline. And I was like, okay, then I'm going to follow that through line. So were you doing this discovery in Excel using your software? Were you sending out questionnaires? Kind of walk us through a little bit about your methods for that. Yeah. So I would say there are two practices that we do 
every year. Um, there are other things, of course, as things come up, but the main things I do are, um, Every year around January, I always pull a report of our top clients from the year before. Um, I use Time to Pet, so you can pull a report of like, you know, the top spending clients in your client list. And I do an exercise with my general manager and, um, you know, any other staff members that feel kind of relevant to the client strategy side. Um, so I just put in place a sales and marketing manager. So she was part of this exercise this year. And we just go through and talk about everything we know about these clients. You know, we track certain information after meet and greets, like occupation and stuff like that. Um, but you know, we'll look at their Instagram and we'll figure out where they work. And I know that sounds a little creepy, so I'm, I'm sorry, but you know, we're trying to get all this information that we can to yeah. know where to market and who to serve. Um, so we do that client analysis once a year and allow that to inform our marketing for the upcoming 11 months. And then the other thing we do is a annual client survey. And usually we try and do it in August where we do send out a form and keep it 8 to 10 questions um, to rate both our client satisfaction and um, to make sure we're in line with what they need. Uh, we've recently started doing the surveys as well. And it's mm-hmm. very eye-opening uh, to, mm-hmm. and I, I think the, the you mentioned about letting yourself be surprised of going, mm-hmm. oh, I obviously know who we service because obviously, but what gets a lot of it is like, why do we service them? Like that and asking mm-hmm. some questions about that of like, why are they using me as opposed to somebody else? And, and A, not being offended whenever you get those responses and, and B, being, being okay to be surprised by that and trying your best to, mm-hmm. to write really good, unbiased, non-leading questions uh, so mm-hmm. run it by a few friends, have a, you know, read it over a couple of times, send it to some test people so that you get a better idea for those things. But it really does enlighten you to going, oh, I, I, I'm really busy, but why am I busy? And, and that, po- that question is really important so that we know that how to continue serving them well. And so that mm-hmm. when we go to make decisions like completely cutting out a whole base of services, we have more confidence in that decision. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um... Yeah, absolutely. You know, one question we always ask is, what do our services do for you? Um, And it is amazing the responses we get back because they are very rarely about the dog. They're usually about the owner. And that's really powerful information. Like, you give me the ability to focus on my job. Like, man, that is like one, just like what, like that makes me feel amazing. But two, like, that's what I anchor my marketing on is the core thing that we help a client with. It very rarely is your dog as a burning desire to urinate in the middle of the day. Like <laughs> I could make that a marketing angle, but you know, right? Well, because often we go, well, how do I? What you, you say? You know, build my my avatar of my my desi- my perfect client. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means I need to use their language. Well, how do I know what language to use? Well, let your existing clients give you that language so that you can include yeah. those things. So that whenever you go to make this transition, you can already have all of those pulled and ready to go when you start posting mm-hmm. these things. Well, and that's one reason I love like going back to the kind of niching down in services. I can niche down into messaging and client avatar. Mm -hmm. And that was another big reason is, um, and I think that's one reason we saw really explosive growth. You know, we were immediately validated in this model. We doubled our revenue within a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I believe that is a big reason why is because I was able to actually speak to our client base. Because I knew exactly like what we were doing for them. Our friends at Pet Perennials don't just make it easy to send a gift to a client with a broken heart. They also are making it easier to make your car smell a whole lot better. Their brand new line of positively fresh car air fresheners are adorable and long lasting, making them the perfect gift for new clients or a small birthday or holiday gift. Order a whole case of your favorite design for $1.95 a hanger or... Pepperonials can also send it as a gift package to your client with their handwritten card and gift wrap for $12.75, which does include shipping. They are always adding new scents, so go to pepperonials.com and check out everything that they're adding. I'll point you to the Ripe Mango, your perfect 
car air freshener our daughter's really excited about this one register for your free business account to unlock the all-inclusive discounted package pricing and access the wholesale catalog remember you only pay when you order now you had that that increase in in revenue was that because you uh decreased operational costs did you increase or change prices for these, or did you just find that you were better serving, or you were able to, because of your marketing, you were able to immediately hit them with the the services that they were looking for? Yeah. So, I mean, it was a little bit multifaceted. I didn't decrease any operational costs um, because I invested a lot in the last two years in building out this operational structure. Um, but the, um, so I think. One reason we grew so quickly is, one, we got a lot of clarity on the client avatar and the client messaging. But two, um, we... I'm trying to think how to phrase this. We we were able to line up that messaging to really connect with people through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we made this pivot as the pandemic was happening. Everybody adopted a dog. And one of our core messaging was, we can give you some stability with all the transition that's happening. Um, you can count on us. We will, <laughs> you know, like all that. Like, so one marketing angle we had was, please bring us in if you have an important Zoom call. We will come and make sure there's no risk of that dog barking <laughs> in the background of that call. <laughs> um so I think when we were able to get really specific, we were then able to do a real deep dive on some of the changing world factors. And that just allowed us to kind of like, um, for all the listeners, I did a very quick upward motion. Like we grew very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, we'll, 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 we'll enhance that so people know. Um, but <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Uh, and and you, uh, you, one of the things that you mentioned of why you made this transition was because you were you, you, the, making the team model fit with vacation clients was kind of iffy. So yeah, yeah so yeah, you've stuck with a team approach. So do you do you assign one client per walker, or do you mix and match them throughout the week as it fits, or how are you scheduling this now? Yeah, so we have gotten our clients and our operations to the point where. Any client can be worked with by any team member. Um, So we actually don't schedule at all around... Like We schedule purely for an operational standpoint. Um, We uh, um, really heavily focus on route mapping to make sure it's the smartest because we pay for people's time in the car. Um, So we're incentivized to make that as short as possible and you know they like it because then they save on wear and tear on their vehicle um so but our model i mean we fully pivoted to any one of my 25 team members can go into somebody's home for an appointment and perform the same level of consistent service it should be no different between any of my staff again when you when you're looking at optimizing the operations these are things that mm-hmm. fall out from that, right? Of like, okay, mm-hmm. now I have to make all of the policies, the procedures, everything fit. And mm-hmm. and I guess that gets a little bit into uh, maybe something you've already touched on, but um, the, the the client expectations for a pet sitting company versus a dog walking company. What are some differences mm-hmm. that you've experienced? Yeah, absolutely. So what I have found is that clients want the consistency of the business operations for the middays more than not that the personalization doesn't matter. Like we put a lot into like branding and the community perception of our business. And we do our best, you know, kind of show the faces behind venture on our social media and all this stuff. But what I found is that clients are really thankful for that consistent level of we're never going to cancel on them. We're never going to just not show up for an appointment. Um, No matter who calls out, who has a flat tire, we just have the ability to flex. Um, And I think most people are just really thankful to have that level of like consistency in their dog's routine, no matter who's the one coming to do that. 
And it is harder to do if you are doing vacation clients. You know, I know that, that mm-hmm. that's how we are currently staffed, where we have over-provisioned on, on staff, staff time, staff scheduling and ability, so that uh, whether it's morning, noon, night, weekdays, weekends, we have that ability to, to flex people in as needed. But it does mm-hmm. take a lot more planning oversight, insane Mm -hmm. schedules, balancing things between different people for, well, I'm available every day except Tuesday and Thursday, but I can cover earlies on Fridays and Saturday and taking all that stuff into account just for Mm -hmm. for this going, okay, I have these set hours Monday through Friday that works or doesn't. So do do you have staff commit to that full period or can they commit to just certain hours within that? And how do you navigate that with your staff? Yeah, we actually um, don't ever let people start with a full schedule nine to four. Um, because the job is so physical, we want to give them the ability to like work up to higher hours. We found better attention with that. So we do offer a set schedule. Most people come in at 15 to 20 hours a week. Um, and we'll do a combination of their availability and the highest needs of the business. <laughs> And, um, you know, of course, 11 to 2 is that kind of high priority window. So we try and make sure we have the most availability there. Um, yeah. And then we we do allow staff, um, or not even allow, we have set up systems so that staff members can post and switch shifts as needed. Um, we have all of that in an additional app that we use to time to pet that manages all of our staff availability and also counts how many people we're big on metrics. So, you know, every week we're analyzing, okay, how many people based off of recent bookings do we actually need on the schedule and during what time blocks? And then we're making sure that matches and that we have a little bit of flex. That allows you to know exactly what you're working with at any given moment so that you know what you have covered, right? And if you, and if the, if the design is to have that operational excellence and operational purity, you mm-hmm. do have to know a lot, a lot of these, a lot of these numbers. I, mm-hmm. I know some listeners are going to be sitting here going, "Well, I don't know if my market can mm-hmm. can support this." I, I, mm-hmm. I, this word, I have to do vacation clients to make my business work. Mm-hmm. What what advice would you give to them? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the main thing is. Try to not go in with assumptions um, and underestimate your market because I've done that before where I'm like daily dog walking. Surely, you know, surely that can't. Um, And now, I mean, we're at a revenue point. I never imagined three years ago. I'm anticipating we're going to grow a lot this year. Um, So that's the first piece of advice is try to follow the information and the metrics and the data more than your own assumptions or like limitations that you would assume are there. The second thing would be to, you know, just start with a broad view of your community. And then, you know, who lives here? Who wants to move to Winston? Who, like, what are the major players in the industry here? Um, So I live in a very medical heavy community. Medical professionals really need dog support. They have funky hours and they really, you know, they need help keeping their dog on a consistent exercise schedule often. Mm. Um, And so for us, it was like, okay, if I know that one out of every three people in my community are medical, and I know based off of my client discovery that medical is a great client avatar for us. Okay, if there are 250,000 people in my community, that's a lot of room in the market, like a lot. Um, I mean, even if only 10% of those people use us, I, I'm not sure I'd want to be bigger than that. Like to be totally honest, that's a lot of clients and dogs. It, it, it is. And, and with that kind of knowledge, you can start even now, instead of making that jump all at one time, start try testing out some marketing materials, do some AB testing with ads, seeing what yeah, kind of language absolutely. is landing with people. Start intentionally growing that now and see if you can get that foothold, see what that market will do. And testing, it's not like you have to go, well, I'm deleting everything right now and I'm doing this starting tomorrow. No, you can make this a transition process for you. How, how long was that transition process for, for you, Michelle, before from the time that you started implementing and, and communicating to people to you made that full switch over? So it's going to sound 
short, but what I want, um, the audience couldn't see, I was like nodding heavily oh. <laughs> through everything you said, um, because I had done probably six months of groundwork before we hit the transition. Like yeah. once I started communicating to people, we did it in four to six weeks. Um, but that was with six months of my own analysis, thinking on it, talking to some trusted, like, advisors to my business, um, you know, people I trust their business acumen. Um, it definitely, and I hope nobody takes this from what I'm saying. It definitely was not. I woke up one morning like, you know what? No more. I'm not doing it anymore. And I just pulled the plug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I don't it's, it's just interesting to get a, some perspective on that to know that the, 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 the tip of the iceberg, what we're seeing here is that switch that just that four weeks, that six weeks of actively talking with people. But prior to that, you know, your marketing, you are, one of the things that you were doing was turning people away preemptively saying, we don't know mm -hmm. about that. You should go to this, this, this company, that thing, all that work starts early so that by the time mm -hmm. you get to the point where you do flip the switch, the unknowns on the other side of that are as minimal as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Thinking back over this transition, Michelle, I did, was curious, uh, if you could go back to several mm -hmm. to to three years ago, what what would you want to do differently? The main things, like across the entirety of my business journey, or at least the first like section of it, that I would do differently is I would have treated this from day one as a business, not as a professional side hustle, because that's where I started. And then you know I had to go through the work of like building the brand so that clients wanted to interface with the brand and not me as a person. Um, you know, that was a big shift. I would have started with the team model, like, Hey, this just is who we, this is who we are. Yep. I don't know if that was grammatically <laughs> correct, but like, I you say know, it all the time. You're is, fine. Yeah. <laughs> like this is how we operate. I can send in any of my staff to your home. Like yeah. that is, if you want to work with us, that's how we do it. Um, so that's the main thing. I think specifically through this transition, um, I would have trusted myself more. Um, there was, of course, doubt and insecurity and um, second guessing. And, you know, who knows how much of that was due to this transition versus trying to get my business through COVID because that was challenging in and of itself. But I would have looked back and trusted the path. Um, and trusted the fact that no decision for your business has to be permanent. Mm. Um, I think so many people, myself included, get scared to test things or to try things because it feels like, man, there's no going back. And that's just not true. Like, it really isn't. Um, and even if, <laughs> even if the worst thing you can imagine happens, you would be okay. You know, like, you know, excluding death. Like we are resilient people. That's one reason we're business owners is we want to bring something into the world that's beautiful. And I think trusting that like, even if I miss it here, I can be okay. Like it's, this isn't my only shot. Knowing that we, they have a second chance that there's more things mm -hmm. that we can do. You know, the, uh, Charlie and chocolate factory was like money. Well, they print more of it every day. Like it's more, it's, we can, we can try something new next time. We can do something different and not being afraid to let that, mm -hmm. let that vision die. And realizing that we, we are I think part of that, Michelle, is that we are much more than our business. We're much more than even the vision we have for our business. And that if that mm -hmm. doesn't pan out, that's not a reflection on us. That's not a reflection mm -hmm. on anything. It's that we can change. We can adapt. We can move into different seasons of life as we learn and grow and have new experiences that teach us, oh, you know what? I actually don't want that anymore. I would like to try something new. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I follow a thought leader um, and I really respect him and his wife. It's Alex and Layla Hermosi. And he has a quote that you cannot lose if you do not quit. Um, and that everything along that path is just iterative lessons of getting closer and closer. Um, so I try to keep that mentality. Sure. And how, how best can people get connected with you, Michelle? Yeah. So I do have a website, dogcolaunch.com. Um, that's where I'm going to be putting, you know, that's kind of the hub for all the information. Um, I am on Instagram and on Facebook for under dogcolaunch. That's D-O-G-C-O launch. Um, and then I'll be offering a series of, you know, coaching or I'm launching some masterminds this year to 
help guide businesses through this transition or even just through building up that daily dog walking client base as a core operational backbone. That's awesome. Okay, well, I'll have those links and I'll include links to um, Venture Dog Walking as well so people can check out awesome. your business and see all the fun stuff that they're doing and, and how you're you're running that. Uh, and I'll have mm-hmm. that in the show notes and on our website for listeners to go click to. Michelle, this has been um, fascinating and I really want to thank you so much for coming on the show today to, to walk us through this journey and uh, really how it's a lot of, of mindset and numbers um, as it turns mm-hmm. out most things are in, in, in life. So thank you so much, Michelle. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. How is your business feeling to you right now? Is it exactly how you thought it would be this number of years or months into running and operating it? The fact of the matter is it is never too late to change. It's never too late to transform. I know for me, one of the hardest part about transformation is the fact that I have to give up on the direction that I was heading. But I have to remind myself that what I'm doing is providing myself a better opportunity for something new. I'm moving towards something. I'm not moving away from something. I'm taking the lessons from the first thing and applying them to the second. We'd love to hear how you are changing and transforming yourself and your business this year and moving forward and how you're going about doing that. We'd love to hear from you. You can send that to feedback at petsetterconfessional.com or anywhere on social media. We're so thankful for today's sponsors, Time to Pet and Pet Perennials. And we really want to thank you so, so much for listening today. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll be back again soon. I'm <laughs> sorry.